again, everybody. Welcome to the Mainland Podcast. It's episode number 79. I am Michael Citro, the founder and managing editor of TheMainland.com. Joining me is Dave Rowe, one of our extraordinary writers at The Mainland. Dave, how are you this week? Extraordinary. <laughs> I'm feeling extraordinary. Thank you for that. Uh, that's not a word I get uh, bandied around me a lot, so uh, you're making me feel great right away. Well, you write about beer and... Um, I find beer to be extraordinary, so. I think that's actually the only reason I'm still on the mainland is beer. <laughs> yeah. Well, you need to start bringing some. Come into the games and bringing some. That's what you need to do. Okay. All it's, right. only, it's only a four-hour drive for you. Come on, man. <laughs> right. <laughs> I just can't have any beer on the way. See, that's the problem. Yeah. If I could find somebody to drive me, then it's easy. I was going to say, I mean, you work for a car dealership. Just say you're on a on a you know a test drive with oh, customers. customer. good point. Good point. <laughs> All right. So uh, it was a week off because of the international break. Uh, Orlando City did not play. However, uh, it was not without its Orlando soccer this past weekend uh, in, the, in, the, in the intervening time since we last met. Uh, the Orlando Pride squeaked out a stoppage time victory over at South Florida, University of South Florida, 2-1 with Carol Rodriguez, uh, a trialist from UCF scoring the game winner uh kind of a nervy game for uh, the pride maybe that's what they needed they were playing away from home over in, uh, in south florida and um you know this is a of course still a team in preseason they're they're trying to get it all together they uh they started an entire different uh, 11 in, the, in each half and um uh it, it ended up on the correct side of the score sheet uh, what do you think that Tom Sermani thought of his team playing to a, a, a very close game at USF uh, with games coming up against uh, strong competition like University of Florida and Florida State here in the next week? I think he wanted to play my Stetson Hatters again is what I think. Um, <laughs> they, got, they got drubbed, but um, it, it's preseason. We've, and we said this when we were talking about Orlando City's preseason. Mm-hmm. You know, there's... There's things that are getting tried out. There's, like you said, two completely different lineups from first half and second half. So there's there's things that are going on there. Of course, you know, USF is going to – this is an opportunity for them to play, you know, against the, the pros. So they're going to, you know, they're going to go out and they're going to do their absolute best. They're going to try and prove themselves. You know, it's it's a, a playing up to the competition uh, thing for them. Um the impressive part, like you said, you know, Carol Rodriguez um, getting that 90th minute goal uh, as a trialist, but that that was actually her second goal of mm-hmm. this preseason. Yep, so, preseason. So as a trialist, going out and scoring, you know, two goals in two games, that's uh, that's a, a really great way of, of saying, hey, maybe I shouldn't be a trialist. So, you know, <laughs> good, for her, good for her. Yeah. And, um, and of course... Um, Ubugagu, I think I'm saying it wrong. Ubugagu, uh, yes. Ubugagu. Chioma Umagagu. Chioma U- Ubugagu. Um, I, I thought for sure I, I got it right. How about that? <laughs> um, she had the 11th minute uh, goal in the uh, in the first half to uh, put the pride up. Um, so, it, it, like I say, for me, it's it's a preseason game. Um, I think all uh, he's doing is looking at who's out there, what he's got. Like, I mean. We got trialists scoring goals, so he's he's trying to figure out, you know, who's going to be going forward. That's what the entire preseason is about. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not to say that he didn't want to, you know, 
get the win against USF, of course, uh, you know, you're a pro team, but uh, he's, he's, he's trying to figure out who's going to be on the team. And, and mm-hmm. so there's, there, you've got to take, you've got to take the results with, you know, a grain of salt. You know, sure. They, they beat Stetson handily. They go two to one over USF, you know, who know they could go into UF, uh, What's that uh, later? Well, when, when this gets broadcast later today um, and he could, you know, they could take it to UF, you know, so it, it's, it's a preseason. It doesn't, it, you can't take anything from it other than look at individual performances and see what you have. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, you mentioned Carol Rodriguez and, and she's a player that I definitely want to talk about because as you mentioned, trialist from UCF, uh, I believe she would require a an international slot now it just so happens that the team has one and we haven't heard a whole lot of rumblings about the marta thing in in a while so you know if if the marta thing falls through that slot sitting there and, and if carol rodriguez has been impressing you know she may end up getting that getting that spot and getting a job and and certainly she's doing enough right now it's still early in the preseason but if she continues to play like this uh she will probably find herself with a job if not with the pride then with someone else yeah, absolutely. Um, and you're right. It's it has been quiet on the uh, Marta front. There, uh, there was a lot of uh, speculation, a lot of hype, a lot of uh, uh, hope, mm-hmm. and then recently, just you know, nothing. I mean, cold dead radio silence. <laughs> so, uh, which you know, all right. Um, it I, might be a good thing. That could be. It could be everybody's keeping things close to the vest, and mm-hmm. backroom deals are being done, and we just don't know about it. But um, you know. If uh, if Marta is, is a pipe dream and that's not going to happen, and if uh, Carol you know keeps playing like she's playing, well, okay, you know, um, you you got to take them where you get them, and if if somebody's trying that hard to get a job and they're scoring the goals, well, like you said, she's gonna if if she doesn't end up on the pride, and somebody sees that, she'll get on somewhere. Yeah, she'll get a look and for sure, and, and certainly the club can use some goal scorers while waiting for uh, Alex Morgan to return. Alex has started to score goals, which is good to see, and and uh, l- you know looks like she's picked up a few tricks over there in Lyon. They are in the midst of uh, Champions League play and all of that, so she is doing the things she needs to do to get minutes at Lyon, and she's you know has to beat out some very solid players to to get that playing time, and she's able to do that and get on the pitch and score goals. So. Uh, that's a positive for the team as, uh, you know, you want her to be in, in her top form when she returns because she already was one of the better strikers in, in NWSL. And if she comes back having picked up a few extra tricks from, from playing in Europe, then, uh, it would be very good for pride results, uh, you know, from June onward. Well, and not just pride, but, um, of course, you know, us women's national team, it'll help right. out there, um, mm-hmm. which we're, you know, obviously we're all fans of that as, as well. Um, you know, primarily pride and, and, uh, you know, we are all, eh, even if only secretly bemoaning the whole Leon thing, but, um, if, like you say, if it does raise, uh, her level of play, which is why she stated she was going over there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she said, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm with the pride. But this is an opportunity I have to take my game to another level. If that indeed does happen and she comes back and it looks like it is, like you said, I mean, she's she's scoring over there against some of the, you know, the best. So if she's able to bring that uh, back to the pride and, and help out uh, even more here, then 
it's a uh, it's a trip to Europe well worth it for those of us in Orlando. Yeah, and you're right. Uh, they're go- we're going to get a look at uh, you know three pride players who were named to the uh, U.S. Women's National Team for the uh, friendlies coming up against Russia. Uh, they're both going to be played in the state of Texas, one in Houston, one in Dallas, and um, that is coming up right before the NWSL season, so right at the beginning of April. So uh, that will be happening very, very shortly, and uh, we're going to get a, a, a look at the uh, hopefully new and improved Alex Morgan uh, for both club and country uh, this season. So, yeah, it sucks to be without her for a couple of months, and, yeah, I know there's there are people that are still bent about her doing this, and... Um, you know, I can't, I can't really, I can't falter for it. I mean, I would probably do the same thing if I thought that, hmm, I can go play in Europe, make more money, and become a better player, and, and get to play Champions League soccer. And you know, I think I would not turn that down at all. Uh, I agree. I, it, it's, <laughs> you know, we all, you know, of course, we're not players, so right. we're all about team. Um, but we don't get paid to go play soccer. Uh, and she does. And uh, like I say, if, if you have the opportunity to go play uh, against some of the best in the world, you know, Champions League, and then to ha- – and, and I don't think that she's – of course, part of it is selfish. You know, she wants to do it for herself, you know, to challenge herself. Mm-hmm. But there is a part of her also that says, is saying, and I think she's truthful in this, and that this is going to help me with my home club. This is going to help me with my national team. Yeah, this is going absolutely. to make me a better player. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I don't think she would have necessarily done it if it hadn't been, if those hadn't been contributing factors. I don't think she would, she doesn't strike me as a, I'm just going where the money is. Um, so I think it's, it's a, it's a comment. The money is certainly a factor, but mm-hmm. it's a combination of all of those things. And I absolutely believe that, um, knowing that it's going to help her with the pride, knowing it's going to help her with the women's national team, that those are things that are in the back of her mind, even as she's playing right now, you know, when she scores goals over there, I'm, I know that she's thinking, okay, great. I learned something new. I'm going to be able to translate that when I go back. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. If you go back and you watch old, old, interviews with Alex Morgan, she hasn't changed. She hasn't wavered at all. She has said for a long time, she wants to be the best in the world at what she does. Mm -hmm. And this is one way that she can, she can do that. I mean, she, if she feels that, you know, just starting the season with the pride, isn't going to get it done. You know, if that's her stated goal, then she's being true to herself and she's being true to, she's, if you ask her teammates, they understand why she's doing it. And sure, they they're all and, pros. Yeah, and they would, and they all will say, every last one of them. Yeah, we we'd like to have her here, but you know, we certainly can't fault her reasoning or what she's doing. So the, I, I figure if they aren't bent about it, then no one else should be really. Well, and the other thing that it does is, uh, so uh, she is over there. So what does that that makes that somebody else has to step up? Absolutely. So. That means that there's there's an opportunity for somebody else. There is, um, you know, where Alex would be the focus. There's now somebody somebody else's chance to step up, mm-hmm. be the one, be the person that's scoring the goals. Um, who even when Alex comes back, okay, well now that just means that that player because they've been working their butt off, is now a better player for the pride. Mm-hmm. So it can, okay. Just like the players. Would we rather she was here for the whole time? Of course we would. She's one of the top players in the world. We want her on the team. But since she's not going to be, 
looking at the positive, that means that whoever is here is going to have to, you know, somebody is going to have to step up. Yeah, and I'm, I'm anxious to see if that can be Ubagagu from uh, from the Houston Dash because she is a player that uh, has been successful in England and just didn't quite mesh with the Dash, and, and maybe uh, Tom Sermani can, can get her untracked. She seems like she's off to a good start. And also Carol Rodriguez is another player who could – you know, make the team and, and actually provide some some offense. And then when, you know, you get your Alex Morgan back, then you've got a really solid option off the bench uh, at striker. And, and you know, uh, Tom Sermani has said he wants more this year from the, the players that, that improved last year. Uh, Chris Nedmans, Jasmine Spencer, he wants them to take another step forward. And if they do that, then this could be a very good season for the Pride. So uh, looking forward to that. They're going to get things started out at Portland against the Thorns on the 15th of April. And uh, we're looking forward to uh, the 2017 NWSL season. Uh, we had a little game over the weekend, uh, the I-4 Derby, Dave. I heard something about that, yeah. yeah. Orlando City B and uh, Tampa Bay Rowdies. They The two clubs met for the first time in USL play as USL Eastern Conference opponents, and um, there were a lot of people mad online about the 1-0 result. Uh, the uh, Rowdies were able to uh, draw a penalty uh, on a great play by uh, Fernandez. They danced through the defense and, and uh, went one-on-one with Earl Edwards Jr., who was uh, late coming out to get him because he didn't expect him to get through everybody, and then uh, ended up clipping him and taking him down, and then... Uh, you know, they scored on the on the penalty kick, and that was all they could get, although they, they were very dominant in possession and did get a lot of attempts. They only got five of their shots on goal, um, but they um, – and Joe Cole was magnificent for Tampa Bay. Um, but you kind of knew going into this game that you've got a veteran team, average age of 29, by the way, um, among their 11 starters, including a guy who's played – Champions League um, internationally for England and, uh, you know, years as a, as a star at Chelsea. Um, you've, you've got guys that have played for other international teams. And these guys were all, you know, veteran, basically all but two players, I think, on the Rowdies were veteran, what you could consider veteran players. On the other side of the coin, you had an average age of 25, and that's being jacked up by by Kevin Alston and, and Lewis Neal getting starts. Um, largely, the OCB's roster was made up of guys who were new or new to the team or new to, you know, new to professional soccer or first teamers that had only trained with the OCB guys for a few days. And so if you went into and, and it was in Tampa. So if you went in knowing that you would probably think it was going to be a fairly lopsided game and it was, you know, and, and it, it, it played out lopsidedly, but it was only a one nil game. Well, okay, so a couple things. Um, yes, they have obviously had the advantage on experience. Um, but the idea that okay, we and we talked about this, OCB is a developmental, it's a USL side, mm-hmm. but it is a developmental squad for the MLS squad. True. And so, like you said, there are guys down there who are new, um, who haven't played professional before, or we had some, you know, that are technically loaned down, or you've got, regardless, it's 
it would have been expected that the Rowdies should have routed them. Now, I think that Earl Edwards, yes, I know he had the, the foul that resulted in the PK that he you know then wasn't able to stop. But the rest of the night, he was pretty good. I mean, he had three excellent saves. Because uh, like you said, they outshot us 13 to 2. And then they had five shots on uh, Well, on it, goal. that was the first half. It was 21 to 3 right. was the final final shots. And, and right, Earl, yeah, made, so half, Earl made four yeah. saves, and three of them were world class. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, the, the, his, his, he played an excellent game, kept it probably closer than maybe it should have, but you know what? That's a good goalkeeper can do that. Yeah. You want your goalkeeper Uh, to do things like that. Exactly. So you've got that. And then, like you said, it was in Tampa. They had a record crowd of 7,700 and something, you know, they were excited about it. Good this turnout from the, Orlando, by the way. Good, Very good turnout from uh, from Orlando supporters. Especially for, uh, you know, there was probably more that traveled to that than went to the last year OCB over in Melbourne. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> now granted, okay, it was, it was a rowdy. It was, it was the I-4 Dar- uh, Derby. So, of you know, of course, there's going to be a little bit more emotion in it. And, you mm-hmm. know, but hey. Give it to Tampa Bay. It's the first uh, win for them in the in the Derby, and um, yeah, OCB was probably outclassed. Um, it doesn't mean that that's that that's indicative of what the season's going to be. I mean, true. You know, Phyllis is he's working with a roster just like he did last year. That's going to be fluctuating. Absolutely. Depend- that that you just said the magic word because that is that is to me everything. It because. Soccer is a game of cohesion, and if you aren't cohesive with your teammates, and it's very hard to be when guys are in and out of the lineup all the time, it's going to be much more difficult than than it is for the team that's together always. And these two teams have very, very different goals. You already said Orlando City B is to develop players for the first team, develop young players, give academy players a look, and also to get minutes for guys who have not been playing. So it serves a lot of functions. Winning games is nice, but it's always a bonus when that happens. It's not it's not the objective. On the other hand, you look across the pitch at Tampa Bay Rowdies. Not only do they want to win, they are trying to to create a, a lot of electricity and excitement and a buzz in their town to try to get an MLS bid. Um, they are looking to do everything they can to to make the jump up to where Orlando City already is. So I think it's fair to be disappointed that Orlando City B lost to Tampa Bay. If you, especially if you hate the Rowdies, and we all do, um, but I think you got to put it into perspective and in, in, in a few ways. Number one, it can't be a rivalry if you win every game. You can't. <laughs> if the other team never beats you, it's not really a rivalry, is it? I mean, no, if, it is not. If the Celtics always beat the Lakers, there wouldn't be a rivalry. Um, no. You know, so it's not. It's part of a rivalry you have to live with that the team that you are a rival with is going to win some of the games because that's what builds the rivalry uh, and keeps it going. Um, The other part of it is that, you know, Tampa, to me, on paper, looked like a top three team in the Eastern Conference of the USL. Right up there with with New York Red Bulls, too, which has some amazing young talent. And that's where where Orlando City B wants to be in a couple of years, is to where Red Bulls, too, is now and, and where they were last year. And Louisville City, who comes in on Thursday night to play OCB in the home opener at Orlando City Stadium. Those those two teams, I think, and Tampa Bay look like, on paper at least this early in the season, 
the three teams that will be challenging for the Eastern Conference title. OCB, even you know, coming into this season, you everybody said maybe eighth or seventh if they have a good year. <laughs> you know, it, it was never was a, it was always a mismatch, I guess is what I'm trying to say. There was a massive amount of turnover. Uh, absolutely. It's almost an entirely new squad, really. So it's it's almost an entirely new squad. They, as you just mentioned, different goals for the season. Um, it, so Tampa Bay, like you said, they're trying to move up the ladder. The way they do that is they win, 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 win. Mm-hmm. OCB, they're not moving up the ladder. There is already somebody occupying the top stop, step on that ladder. So that's right. not... That's not going to happen. Um, <clears throat> their goal, like you said, is to be more like Red Bulls B. Yeah. Or two, uh, whatever the heck they call themselves. Yeah. They're, they're, they're dose. Yeah. They're two. The dose. <laughs> the dose. The two. Yeah. And so, so yeah, they want to be like Red Bulls too. So, uh, two as in the number, not two as in T-O-O. Um, so <laughs> if, if we're moving towards that, then that's, that's, that's what, fans need to be concentrated and i'm not trying to take away anything for the fans of ocb of course we want them to win of course you go sure. there and you reform of course as long as you keep it in perspective right it's it's okay if you're a fan like for example i'm a fan of the cleveland indians okay if i go to columbus clippers their triple a affiliate if i go see their team that team play even if they're playing against you know a team like the yankees that i hate we, they, all the, we all hate the Yankees, Michael. Right. If they lose the game, eh, you know, it's a minor league team. It's not the big club. And and I think that's what I'm, you know, obviously the, the fans here are very passionate about USL soccer because that's what, you know, Orlando City. That's where City, we came from, yeah. That's, that was our roots. That's where we came from, like you said. They're not that anymore. They've graduated from that. So I think it's actually kind of funny to, to me, it's funny because it's like, Oh, that's that's so adorable! You beat our minor league team, Tampa Bay, that's <laughs> right. by one goal. You know, uh, I, you know, for me, that's that's what I get out of it. I don't get mad and go, "Oh, I can't believe fire Anthony Pulis." Oh, you know, and, and he's and, doing his job. Su- surprisingly, I've I've heard a few people, you know, the less rational people want him fired, and it's like, okay, all he did last year was got three guys ready for MLS contracts. And that's exactly what he's supposed to be doing. And he he also brought guys up from the academy who uh, are going on to bigger, better things. And you know we're going to that's see... what he's supposed to be doing. Exactly. We're going to see Joe Gallardo this year, um, and we're going to see other guys playing college uh, soccer. And actually, we've got until fall to to try to sign them to homegrown deals and not let them go <laughs> and play college soccer. So uh, that'll be interesting to watch. But all right, so. Rowdy's got the first round. There'll be two other meetings this year, and, and and the Rowdy should probably be heavily favored in both of those. But I think once we settle into the summer, and Pulis can use his OCB guys more, who are who should be a little bit more cohesive than that collection that was out there on on Saturday night. Yes, stronger team player by player, but not used to you know gelling together. Not they're not they're they weren't a cohesive unit, and you have to be cohesive in soccer. I think that you know. For me, was, it would it would have been a closer game, despite a, a bigger disparity in talent. Perhaps it probably would have been a closer game had it been all OCB guys uh, to start with. Well, assuming that uh, <clears throat> Edwards plays the way he does, I, I agree with you. Um, yeah. Well, let's face it. Okay, the goal was on a penalty kick on a play that, like you said, I mean, 
Earl wasn't expecting him to be able to get through <laughs> all of those people. And then he, and because of that, he came out light. And because of that, he gave the penalty. If that doesn't happen, if anybody gets a foot in front of that ball, guess what? There's no penalty kick and then there's no mm-hmm. goal. And then we're talking about a draw. So, it, it, you know, good. Look, good for Tampa Bay. They got to win. Like you said, a rivalry's got to, I mean, let's, let's face it. The state of Florida <clears throat> is well-versed in rivalries between UF and FSU and FSU and Miami and all the other ones. It, you know, it's something that we're very familiar with and we're, we, we enjoy. Yeah. So if we're going to enjoy this one, you gotta have a reason to keep paying attention. And guess what? They just gave us a reason for paying attention to the next game. That's right. And previously there was no reason to pay attention to them. So there you go. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> they Talk be, about looking they for the bright saying, side. <laughs> that's right. I, I, you know, I, I, again, I, I just, to me, it's a minor league team. They're there to support the major league team. And, yep. um, you know, I'm not that worried about it. And, you know, I don't necessarily, I don't like the the result. I don't, didn't, certainly didn't like to watch uh, Lewis Neal probably should have been sent off in the first half. Um but, uh, you know, it, it, it was about what I expected. I, if I'm being honest with you, it's about what I expected. And, um, you know, it's adorable that they beat our minor league team. <laughs> we're, we're in complete agreement. <laughs> All right. Uh, before we get to our guests, we're going we're gonna to turn our attention to the, um, the senior team, Orlando City SC. Uh, they're going to play Columbus Crew on the road this weekend. And that's going to be the first road game of the season Uh, On April 1st, it's April 1st, the team will finally be playing a road game uh, because of the the storm that that postponed the New England game. Um, We'll get to the key matchups and we'll get to our guests to talk a little bit about the crew here in just a minute. Before we get to that, though, uh, the big rumor this week dropped by ESPN's uh, Julie Stewart-Binks is that Lewis Gill, former Real Salt Lake man, uh, who's now playing for uh, Carataro in Liga MX, Uh, is eyeing a return to MLS at Orlando City. Now, this is an interesting rumor for a few reasons. Number one, uh, Lewis Gill played uh, for Jason Kreiss at Real Salt Lake. In fact, his best season there, and he's a young player, he's only 23 still, uh, his best season there was Jason Kreiss' last season, 2013. So he developed under Jason Kreiss very nicely. Uh, he parlayed that success into a, a, a gig with, you know, a Liga MX team, uh, although it hasn't gone to plan for him there. He's been uh, struggling to get minutes uh, with the first team and and, um, you know, it hasn't quite gone to plan. So he's he's trying to return, obviously, with uh, knowing Jason Christ uh, and Christ knowing him. That's a big um, advantage for Orlando City. And here's my take on this is that if, this is a super uh, potentially a super pickup for Orlando City if they make it happen because if you look across the players that he would be among in in terms of where he'll play on the field and he can play multiple positions in the in the midfield he can play a, uh, a right or left attacking midfield he can play a little bit of defensive midfield here's a guy who would be amongst 28 year old Giles Barnes 32 uh, year old uh, Matias Perez Garcia 34 year old Kaká, he's 23. Mm-hmm. Now, currently, without Lewis Gill in the picture, the backups for those guys are 18-year-old Pierre De Silva, 22-year-old Richie Larea, uh 23-year-old Danny Deacon, who just played his first ever professional game. 
obviously having a guy who's who's been a professional for f- four or five years and has scored, you know, pro goals. He's he's got I believe ten or eleven uh, MLS goals to his name. That would be an enormous strengthening of the team. Oh, of course, and you know, Liga MX is I mean that's not a slouch league. Uh, you. you Add to that the fact, I mean, we're talking about a guy who played uh, for the U-17, U-18, U-20, and U-23 uh, U.S. teams. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he is 23. He slots in at the the upper end of what we're you know now calling the, you know, the, the backup bench guys. Um, he's got the experience in both MLS, La Liga, or excuse me, Liga MX. Um, so it, the most important part of that, I think, is the uh, Jason Christ connection mm-hmm. we've already seen that that coach i mean if he's worked with somebody before and he knows what they can do he'll bring them in because he he already knows i mean if if we bring him in he already has in mind exactly what he wants to do with that guy and he knows what he's capable of he's got that trust exactly level. so he know he trusts will johnson he trusts guys like that he's these uh he scouted matias perez garcia very heavily and wanted him in rsl so he trusts him he knows what he can do he trusts lewis gill so it'll be interesting to see if that happens obviously an espn reporter uh you know saying that they're hearing that this might happen is is much different than you know some yahoo with a blog <laughs> so right uh, there, there, there's a little smoke there we'll see if there's some fire but certainly this would be outstanding for orlando city now lewis gill obviously he's from california would not require an international slot he's been capped nope. a couple of times for the men's senior team in fact the u.s men's national team could uh, be could be in times. line yeah could be in line for perhaps a gold cup uh being on the gold cup squad this uh this year who knows but you know he's a talented guy he hasn't for whatever reason he's you know he hasn't put it all together yet but again 23 years old and quite a bit of experience so you know this could be the year he makes the big leap so i i don't see any downside to this depending on what rsl wants for his rights um it may require a player or or some kind of um you know allocation money deal or something like that but uh i don't think considering that Gil probably doesn't want to go back to RSL. I don't think it would cost a whole lot. So this, well, given, this could be a this could be a great move for Orlando City. Well, and you know, given the moves that uh, have been made recently, I think we can all agree in, in total. Okay, we can we can disagree with you know certain monies here or there, but all the moves that have been made have improved this squad. Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, you look at, and, at what Donnie Toy has brought, what Will Johnson's brought, what Jonathan Spector has brought. Yeah, absolutely. It's been what Giles Barnes has brought. All of these these things have improved Orlando City's roster. And so, if if coach is looking at him and 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 trying from then, at this point, given given the track record, I'm going to go until proven wrong. I'm going to go. Okay, great. Let's let's bring him in. Let's see what happens. Because because right now, it, it's all good. So what you're saying. What I hear you saying is that you're putting your faith in Christ. Oh, God. And then I just said, oh, God, yeah. Um, <laughs> see, now, our, this is this is funnier than our listeners know, but we're not going to go there. <laughs> oh, I like it. I like it. All right. So 
Uh, we'll see if this comes to pass, and, and we'll follow this story, uh, you know, as long as it's uh, a story and as, as long as there are new developments. But uh, I thought it was interesting and, and certainly needed to be brought up, especially in a week with an international break where we didn't have a game to talk about. So uh, we've covered the Pride. We've covered OCB. We've covered the transfer rumor mill uh, with Lewis Gill. And um, it's time to turn our attention to this week's opponents, the Columbus Crew. And we're going to bring in a special guest to help us with that. And we'll do that right after this. Joining us this week on the Mainland Podcast, we're happy to welcome back Patrick Murphy from Massive Report. Pat, how are you tonight? I'm doing just good, or just great. How are you guys? <laughs> oh, good. We're, we're, I'm just good. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm just good also. I, I would never think that we would be described as great, so we'll go with good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, Pat, uh, obviously you, you cover the Columbus crew with, uh, with massive report and you are plugged in. I know you're, you're always, uh, tweeting from the, uh, Greg Berhalter press conferences and all that. Um, yep. I wanted to start out by, you know, asking you, cause I haven't actually seen any Columbus games yet this year. Um, what is new and improved about the Columbus crew? Cause obviously looking at their record and, and judging by the fact they, they beat Portland first team that's done that this year. Uh, it is an improved crew side from last year. Yes, so far it's been, um, I think, definitely improved. I think there were question marks coming into the season about how much of an improvement it would make. Um, there were a lot of defensive additions this offseason. Um, they brought in Jonathan Mensa, who's a designated player. Um, they brought back Josh Williams, who played with the crew for several years and then bounced around these last couple of years between New York City and Toronto. Um, is kind of a veteran guy. Uh, Gaston Saro, who's been with the team the last couple of years, is on season-ending injury, so they kind of had to make up for him. Plus, they wanted to, to add some defense. They've got um, a couple rookies, uh, homegrown player Alex Cronalli, who went to Maryland, um, Lalas Abubakar, uh, a Ghanaian who played at the University of Dayton. So they certainly made an effort to get more defensive um, and improve that defense. And so far... It's been better. The first couple games were were a, a bit of a mixed bag, as I said before. They tied Chicago 1-1 at home to start the season. Mm-hmm. Looked pretty good in the first half. Um, the second half looked like they just ran out of gas, and Chicago was able to get an equalizer. Then Houston, they gave up a really early goal, less than two minutes in on a big mistake, um, passing back to the keeper. And, uh, and I guess actually mentioning the keeper, Zach Steffen, uh, Steve Clark is no longer with the team. Mm-hmm. Zach Steffen's a, a young guy um, out of Philly that they brought in last year. Uh, he was playing over in Germany, um, a 21-year-old goalkeeper. So uh, he beat out Brad Stuver, who's been with the team for a while in preseason and has looked pretty good. Um, young, so there's there's some growing pains with that, but his uh, his shot stop, excuse me, shot stopping ability is is certainly there, and a guy that. U.S. fans may want to keep an eye on because he looks like he could be one of the guys contending for a spot in the future, or at least that's what they hope from him. But anyway, um, so at Houston, they got down 1-0 real early, looked good after that, responded well, created some chances, weren't able to score. Houston scores again before the half on um, a corner kick goal that just kind of got messed up with the marking and uh, end up losing that game 3-1. They felt that it was the scoreline didn't really reflect how they played. They thought they did played pretty well in the first half, and then when they got down 2-0, they weren't happy with their response. Um, two weeks ago, went to D.C., got a 2-0 win for the first win of the season. 
uh, everyone's been beating DC. Well, at least not letting DC score. So um, that wasn't exactly a. Uh, everyone was glad to have a win, but it was still, you know, we weren't really sure what to make of the team. Both goals came from penalty kicks, though they were both pretty good chances created. And if the penalty kick isn't called, you'd hope they score. But last week's game really was was the one where people were like, okay, we see the direction this is going. And um, you know, Portland, as you mentioned previously, undefeated, uh, a potent side. They were without. Darlington Nagney mm-hmm. and Guzman, who are both away on international duty, so you know that takes a little bit. But crew are without uh, left back Juca Retalia, um, Waylon Francis, who's been obviously been with the team for a while, stepped in and, and played well. So um, a, a good performance last week. This team still looks like it's going to give up goals. I think ideally they give up less goals, but uh, the attack is starting to to catch on again, which has been um, a big part of Greg Berhalter's. Uh, last few years and yeah it's it's it'll be interesting to see how they how they do this week against Orlando Um, especially because the last two weeks they've kind of adjusted formationally they played three men in the back against DC last week against uh, Portland they went back to the the four three two one or four five one however you want to call it um, Mm -hmm. formation but tactically they were set up very different Harrison awful the right back instead of overlapping tucked very much into the middle of the field and almost was like a third central midfielder, defensive midfielder to kind of help prevent Portland's counterattacks. So it was a, it was, you know, they always make tweaks. I was talking to the guys about that today, but these last two weeks we've seen some more major ones, which is interesting um, because Greg Greg Berhalter has been kind of a guy who's, who's stuck with his guns uh, Mm -hmm. in the past. So interesting to see him, you know, kind of changing things up when, when needed. Yeah, that was something I was reading about that the uh, the, talking about the formations, uh, you know, three, five, two, three, four, two, one, five, two, two, one. Uh, You guys are all over the place on that based on, you know, uh, who you're playing, what personnel you have. And um, the the message, at least from what I've read, is, uh, yeah, we're going to keep being fluid. That's that's got to be an interest for you guys covering it. That's got to be really interesting. Never knowing what the heck's going to happen, you know, going into a match. Do you have any ideas how they might try and line up uh, for Orlando city? Yeah, I would imagine, well, this, this three man back line, which is what I'm going to refer to it as, um, was something that they practiced quite a bit in the preseason. We only saw it in one half of a preseason game that was, uh, streamed, I guess. But, uh, you know, it's something they talked about a lot, so it wasn't a big secret that they were working on this. Obviously, when you have as many central defenders as they now do have, it makes sense to to kind of move towards that direction. But uh, Greg Berhalter has said that that's going to be something they use on a game-by-game basis based on the opponent. Uh, with DC, they thought that that was a team that really liked to cross the ball, so they figured a, a more compact uh, back line, and at least in the box, would help them there and, and it did i think it was probably the right decision they were obviously able to get the shutout on the road and uh get the goals they needed to get the win last week at times it even looked like that when when harrison tucked into the midfield instead of being out wide um, and it doesn't really change things too too much because when columbus attacks they push both wings back forward in the traditional formation and will trap drops in but it puts a natural center defender in there instead of a guy who's you know smaller and typically a, a central midfielder. So I would imagine going into this week that they'll play with the four in the back. Um, I think it almost seems like Greg wants this to be a uh, like a, a surprise. He springs on teams 
periodically. Um, and I, I just get the sense that he's not fully comfortable using it more frequently yet. You know, they haven't worked on it as much as they have the, the traditional four back line. Um, so I would imagine that especially, um, well, depending on depending on availability of Jonathan Mensa, who left last week with an injury, um, I think if he's available, they'll probably they would most likely go with the four in the back because I think it makes a little bit more sense with him. But uh, we'll we'll have to wait and see on him. They uh, they said earlier today that he was going to kind of be day by day with a hamstring sprain or a, yeah, I think it was a hamstring strain, some sort of leg injury. Hmm. Pat, the, uh, the thing about Columbus the last several years is you could always count on it was the attack with with Iguain, Finley, Miram, and one Kamara or another. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is, you know, but last year it seemed like Finley wasn't really gelling. Miram sort of took a step backward, and, and Iguain missed some time. Um, and then Kamara came in like a house on fire and then kind of fell asleep for a long time until I think it, I think until he got to play Orlando City again. And uh, then woke up again. Uh, you know, how are those four sort of uh, reverting to form, or, or are they? Yeah, I think so. I think the Portland game was really kind of the the climax of that. Um, Ola missed uh, the last week or so of preseason with a concussion, so he wasn't fully fit coming into the first week of the season. Um, he scored in the last three games, so you know, finding that fitness, finding that uh, his touch. You know his his finishing touch, I guess, in front of goal. But um, each of the front, each of those front four guys have scored. Justin Merrim already has two assists on the season um, from the first two games. So I think it's it's kind of rounding into form now. Um, I think that there's still work to be done. They have created a lot of chances and still aren't converting probably at the rate that they want to. But you know you're starting to see that team that at times last year looked dangerous and. You know, obviously, two years ago with with Kai Kamara was really dangerous. So that's a good sign for for Columbus. Um, you know, Portland's defense, despite only coming in the last game, giving up three goals, I don't think is ever going to be one of the best in the league. So it'll be interesting to see how they do when they play a very good defensive team. But you know, I think that the this attack and the number of chances it creates is is always going to be potent. And you have guys that have proven they can score, and they they seem to be on form already this year. Speaking of the uh, youngsters that you were mentioning earlier, uh, and I'm probably going to get uh, Cornally. Yeah, Cornally. Right? Silent G. Silent G. All right, Cornally, yep. and then of course uh, Nico Hansen had mm-hmm. uh, his first goal, and it was um, it was some sort of a uh, uh, first for the crew. I don't remember what it was. Uh, the first goal scored by somebody that young or something. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, You've got a little bit of a, a youth movement, um, like you were talking about. Um, how do you how do you see them playing into this game and even going forward into the season? Yeah, I think they like the fact that they've gotten younger. Um, not only younger because they've had some young guys in the past, but there's a confidence in these young guys um, because of the trade for uh, the trade trading away of Kai last year and how poorly they finished. They had two decently high first round draft picks uh, Greg hasn't really had that in the past so they were able to get guys that they think can contribute as opposed to maybe end of the first round type guys that you're going to be kind of hit or miss on um, and that would be Lawless uh, who's a center back and then and Nico and they've talked a lot about Nico coming into the season he scored in the preseason 
looked good. He's a player that reminds me a lot of a young Justin Merrim. Still pretty raw. He was a forward in college, but good on the ball, works hard. Uh, put in a really good performance defensively, I thought, in the 20 or so minutes he played last week. Uh, but obviously got the goal, just kind of right place, right time. Uh, and I like what I've seen from him. They they have some scrimmages that they do against local college teams, and he's played in those and looked sh- pretty sharp. And Cronalli is a guy that they're, they've been excited about for a few years, a homegrown guy, has trained with them previously um, while at Maryland, went back for the summer and things like that. He's uh, a big physical center back. And I think if if Jonathan's Jonathan Mensa is not able to go in this one, you'll most likely see him just because he's probably the most similar. Josh Williams would also be a guy you could put in there at center back, but Cronelli just gives you more of that height, which I think would be better to match up with Laren. But, you know, they've also got, starting in midfield alongside Will Trapp is uh, Brazilian Arter is his name. And, you know, he's not a rookie. He is on loan from Sao Paulo, but he's only 20 years old. And so, you know, another young guy in there that uh, is, is, you know, started the last three games and played in the first game. So I think that they like that they've got quality youth and guys that are competing for places and, and pushing the starters. And even guys like a Tony Chani, who has been the, the center midfielder, is having, to, having a tough time finding, you know, a spot in the 18. And, you know, it was he was a mainstay under Greg until this year. So an interesting uh interesting that they've they've kind of gone that direction but i think it's to the benefit of the team yeah pretty big overhaul overall for the crew in terms of uh you know Chani being on the bench after you know maybe being one of the league's best two-way center uh midfielders uh the last few years and then um you know falling off a bit last year and then also you know long time uh goalkeeper steve clark and 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 parkhurst it's it's been a Interesting to watch from afar, and as as you know, you know I'm I'm from the Columbus area, so I always right. kind of keep an eye on, on things up there. In fact, I I moved graduated from college and moved out of Columbus the year that the crew started play, so um, nice. I we sort of missed each other a little bit. Yeah. But um, I sort of keep an eye on things. But one of the things I wanted to ask you about was was Justin Miram and and um, you know why I bring this up is because you. You know, obviously Columbus, one of the few teams that played over the international break, and Miram would ordinarily be away on international breaks, but because of the the uh, embargo on uh, you know on travel from certain countries, he's, he's decided not to go play um, internationally. And I, I obviously that's been a, a you know a boost for Columbus because they weren't playing without him. And I just wanted to ask you if you talked to Justin about that at all, and and you know um, gotten his thoughts on on uh, the whole situation. Yeah, we talked to him um, shortly after he made the decision, I think the Monday after, and he addressed it. He didn't go into a lot of detail on his thought process. I think he wanted to kind of avoid a lot of the political stuff that goes along with it. Um, and basically, he just you know, said that after talking with, with friends and family and teammates and coaches and coaches over there, that uh, you know he thought this was the best course of action. I know that the um, Iraqi... Football Association. I'm not sure if that's what they call it over there, but the the national team really tried to convince him that uh, you know he'd be fine, he'd be able to to get over there because Iraq isn't able right now to play their home games at home, so they were playing in Iran, and that was kind of the big issue with I guess Iran is part of the embargo mm-hmm. more so than Iraq or instead of Iraq, I guess. So um, 
you know, that was the concern. If the games had been Iraq, he certainly would have gone and, and would have been there. But uh, yeah, it's it certainly helped Columbus this week. He scored last week, so uh, you know that's that obviously made a difference in the game. But um, yeah, unfortunate for him because you know, despite being a guy who was born in the United States and you know grew up in Michigan, he's you know, pretty pretty into the Iraqi culture, um, especially since joining the national team and spending time over there. He connects with a lot of the fans. You can see it on social media and stuff sometimes. Mm-hmm. And apparently he got some pretty, you know, positive feedback. You know, there wasn't a lot negative, which is good. But, uh, yeah, I guess Columbus's gain on that one. Fair enough. Uh, what is the uh, matchup that is most uh, interesting or most worrying uh, to you this coming weekend? Yeah, I thought about I figured you guys would ask me that, and I was thinking about this morning, and I was going to say Laren against Jonathan Mensa, assuming Mensa's health, but since we don't know about that, um, I think it'll be Nico Ness, who's the other center back who I imagine will start, has started all the games this year, against Rivas. Um, I was watching, I watched uh, some of the game, both the games today, and I really like what he does, and I've liked him before, but I think without Kaká in there, I've just noticed him a bit more, maybe, and... Uh, you know, I think that'll be you know, the way he kind of facilitates and moves around. I think it'll be on Ness to to track him a little bit and make sure that, you know, when he moves outside of his, his area that somebody else is tracking him. So that's kind of what I'll keep an eye on is, is where he's going and who's kind of handling him. Um, I think you always have to keep an eye on Laren because, you know, you guys <laughs> obviously know what a goal scorer he is. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think I think that'll be another interesting one as well. Well, Pat, we can't let you get out of here without getting a, a final score prediction. What do you think is going to happen? Who do you think is going to score the goals? And, and what do you see happening with that uh, Ola Kamara versus uh, uh, Jonathan Spector battle that we've we sort of highlighted on our website today? Um, yeah, I am a little I'm a little torn. We were talking about this on our podcast last night. Just because with only two games, I, I'm having a tough time getting a feel for Orlando. Um, obviously both games were at home, so, you know, I'm not really sure what to expect once they go on the road. Um, you know, Neither I think, are we. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think I said on the podcast 2-1 crew last night, if I remember correctly, but, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm not entirely sold on that one yet. I, uh, you know, if I'm, I'm going to do goal scores, I think Laren is, is obviously the guy to go for with Orlando. Um, Ola's scored in three straight, so... We'll go with him, and then uh, let's go with uh, let's go with Iguain. He seems to he seems to like playing Orlando. He sure does. Um, <laughs> so did so did Kai while he was there. Yes, I did. Uh, <laughs> I think the uh, more, though I don't. I, I think that the there was a pretty good rivalry brewing for a couple of years, and I think with Kai getting traded, it's kind of cooled a little bit. We'll see if it uh, ramps back up after this weekend. Um, Pat Murphy, uh, a massive report. Why don't you tell the folks where they can uh, find you on the internet? Yeah, like you said, massivereport.com. Uh, Twitter, it's at underscore Pat underscore Murphy. Um, yeah, and I think it's the same if you, for some reason, want to follow me on Instagram. But uh, yeah, those would be the places. <laughs> well, Pat Murphy, that's that's not at all a common name. Right, no, uh, it's, it was <laughs> difficult to find a Twitter handle that uh, was pretty easy to tell people and available i'm impressed that the the underscore version was available for you quite yes, honestly I, I agree i, I would have, 
I would have thought it would have to be Patrick Murphy eight six seven five three zero nine or something like that. Right. <laughs> well, now I Dave like just showing his age. Dave yeah. just showing his age over here. Um, Pat Murphy, massive report. Uh, thanks so much for for being with us again. And, and uh, uh, it is already Tuesday, and I haven't sent you my Q and A uh, questions yet, so I'll get on that awesome. <laughs> by sometime tomorrow. Uh, thanks so much for for being with us, and and um, we'll we'll check back in with you later this season when the uh, when the crew and the uh, the Lions uh, do battle again. Great. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Once again, thanks to Pat Murphy from Massive Report. Thanks so much for being with us. We appreciate his insight into the Columbus crew. Uh, you know, he's not he's not like the typical blogger. I mean, this dude's out at training. He goes and he talks to the coaches. He talks to the players. You know, the things that we wish we had time to do. <laughs> he actually gets to do so so good for pat we appreciate him being on the show and and as always uh, he's he's a friend of the program even though we don't like his favorite team um so before we get to our key matchups and predictions for saturday night uh just wanted to quickly talk about the fact that uh, as we're recording this we're getting ready for uh the u.s men's national team at panama and uh i gotta ask you how about that absolute beatdown of Honduras the other night by the U.S. men's national team and the performance, not only of Clint Dempsey, who got the hat trick, but of Christian Pulisic, ah, Pulisic uh, who had an amazing, extraordinary night. And uh, he's making me think that he's the American Messi. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so obviously great for Deuce, three goals, gets the hat trick. Love it. Um, it's nice that he's back after the whole heart murmur thing yeah. and blah, blah, blah. I am extremely happy for him. Obviously, he's one of the great American players uh, that we've ever had. And so the fact that he can come back, do that, and hopefully, you know, like you say, as we're recording this tonight, go out and maybe do something similar. Um, I'm really happy for him. But I have been a fan of Christian ever since I found out about the young lad. And you know, he's he's over at uh, Borussia Dortmund. He's been scoring goals and making assists over there. Mm-hmm. All he did for the U.S. was three assists and a goal of his own. And not only that, but that was that was the least of what he was doing. He was actually that upper midfield. He was playing a true number 10 spot. I mean, he was he's wearing the jersey. His I mean, his jersey number, for those of you who don't know, is 10. Yeah. They don't give that out lightly. Now, it was Let's be clear. It was Klinsman that gave it to him. But um, he's the young lad is there's talk about him being the next Donovan. There's talk about being him being the next whoever. You just mentioned Messi. Um, <laughs> and I, you know what? I hope so, because we could use that regardless if he has a sense about him. That when he get, he when he gets the ball, he's dangerous. Yeah, confident kid. Um, I you know the the play to me that epitomized his evening was when he he took the ball up the sideline, got around the defense, was basically in uh, what I think would have been about a two on one, and the the assistant referee pulled it back, saying the ball went over the line. It never did. Nope. Uh, but I think that you know people were saying on Twitter. It, the guy just couldn't comprehend that Pulisic could keep that ball in, uh, and he did. It was it was a it was a great performance from him all around. Um, 
he was dangerous in the attacking third. He was cool and calm on the ball, very confident. And uh, underrated game from Nagby. Uh, good in possession, good with passing. Um, didn't do anything spectacular, but didn't really need to. Um, you know, good play with by, by Dempsey, obviously. Uh, a little bit underrated play by Altador, who, who had a couple of really nice passes and, no, and nice link-up play. I thought Altador actually had, I think that was actually my favorite game by Altador. Uh, you know, a lot of times we've seen Altador kind of, uh, you know, people like him, people don't like him. For me, you know, sometimes he's a little bit of a cherry picker. He sits up there, he doesn't run, he doesn't do, he did things in order to that game. He actually, you know, he, he, he did things off the ball. Yeah. And that, uh, that to me for him was, was was big. I really actually enjoyed his performance that night. I'm not saying that he's not an excellent goal scorer. He is. He does things in MLS. He does it for the U.S. Men's National Team. But that night, I felt that he he, he was more of a team player than sometimes he feels like to me. That's a personal yeah. opinion. Well, and, and here's the thing about that opinion is that a target striker looks so much better when the midfield's playing well. That's a good point. Uh, when when a target striker is because I've heard the same criticism of Kyle Lahren and you and me ain't trading Kyle Lahren anytime soon. Nope. Uh, you know, they, oh, he needs to work harder. He's not getting on the ball. When the midfield is not doing its job, target strikers can look very lazy and very lonely. And uh, and part of it isn't necessarily laziness so much as frustration. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it, it, you know, I've I've had the same thoughts about out the door. But when you you really look at the way the midfield played in those games, you can kind of see why they played that way. And, right. you know, we've seen enough games where Orlando City's midfield hasn't provided any service for Laren and, and people criticize Laren in those games. And I'm, you know, I've, I'm, I think now educated enough in the game to where I can see why that's happening. I know how hard Kyle Laren works. I imagine that Josie Altador hasn't gotten to where he is without working hard as well. So, of course. Um, you know, but that, brings but, up, that, that brings up two big points for me that I want to make sure that we, we cover one uh, Pusilic, uh off the, off the ball. If you go back and watch the game, if you have the chance, watch what he's doing when he's not on the ball. Those were big. As a matter of fact, on that first assist, it was his move off the ball. He was not there. That, and, and then he provides that assist. Mm-hmm. It was that move that allowed him to do that. He's at 18. He's making those, that, that, good soccer instincts to, to, to be in the right place, to do the right thing, to provide for other teammates. And that's huge for a number 10. Yeah. Movement that influences the other team is, is, is such a a difficult skill to master. And, and he's, he seems to be a, a bit of a natural at it. And if he is then, and he can then learn, then that's fantastic. The other thing I wanted to mention, and he's one of the most hated guys for whatever reason, at least with the people that I watch U S soccer with is Michael Bradley. Uh, <laughs> now I made an observation a couple years ago and the observation on Michael Bradley was when he gets pushed up high, he is not nearly as good as if he can sit back in the rear part of the midfield and direct traffic from back there. Mm-hmm. And if you look at what they did in that game, they Bruce kept him back, allowed him to direct traffic, put the balls in and allow the upper midfield to then feed in it. And when he does that, he's really good. I'm not going to say he's one of the best in the world. I'm not going to be, you know, no hyperbole and nothing like that. He is a perfectly serviceable midfielder when it comes to that. He's a dedicated person for the U S men's national team. And when he's in that role, in that type of position, he's pretty good. Mm -hmm. You can't when he gets put, 
is raised. When he gets pushed forward, that he he, he can't. So yeah. there was some problems later on where they they when somebody focuses on him, then he can have some trouble. But of course, then Bruce told you know the guys out wide, come on in, help him out a little bit. He was able to distribute the ball again, and once again, it freed everything up, and we ended up with six goals. Link up play in the around the box is not his strong suit, obviously. Um, no. To me. I can kind of, again, if you want to draw a comparison, you can kind of compare him to Antonio Nocherino. Um, he's he's better as a deep-lying player, pulling the strings, stepping into passing lanes, breaking up play, um, making an outlet pass, finding the right outlet, you know, directing traffic the way it should be directed. Did I didn't think Bradley had a great game, but I thought he had an okay game. I thought that he, he made some mistakes early. But he he made uh, obviously he got that goal which gave him some confidence and he, I thought he played much better after that and again not perfect he had some giveaways and and sure. uh, some some gaffes and a back pass that gave me a heart attack um, but you know well, that, that's I don't part hate, parcel for Michael Bradley unfortunately but you know I can't I don't hate Michael Bradley like a lot of people do but um, you know. It, the guys that are on the ball a lot are going to make more mistakes than the guys that are not on the ball a lot. And Michael Bradley for the U.S. is on the ball a lot. So um, you, he's, it's very visible when he makes a bad pass or it's very visible when he turns the ball over or makes a mistake. And, and um, you know, it, it's compounded when it's in his own half because that's and, where he is most of the time. So uh, it's very easy to point out his mistakes. Um, but, you know, if you're if you're an honest soccer player, uh, fan that watches all of the game and, and knows where players are supposed to go and what they're supposed to do. He does a lot of good things as well. So uh, clearly he's do, doing something right to be in that role for the U.S. for as long as he has and to earn the respect of, of the teammates that he has. And, and, and not only his teammates, but the guys that have played on the U.S. men's national team in the past. Um, well, and, and to captain. I mean, you know, uh, he's yeah. been the captain for how long now? I mean, you know, so it's he he and, and, and through different coaches. So it's not like, it's not like it was a, you know, a, yeah, he was a coach's son at some point, but it's not like daddy's the one that's given him the thing. I mean, he's <laughs> gone through other coaches. They obviously see enough from him that they're willing to say, okay, yes. If now I think that Bruce is doing a better job than Jurgen did as far as utilizing him. Um, but I think that has to do with Jurgen's need to move everybody around every week. Uh, it's early yet though. I mean, Bruce, yeah, Bruce Arena's had one competitive match and, and a couple friendlies. So uh, next week when we're talking about this, maybe we'll talk about you know the Panama right. game, and maybe we'll, well maybe we'll be singing more of Bruce's Arena's praises. Maybe we'll be you know pumping the brakes. Who knows? But uh, as of right now, before the game takes place, um, it was just nice to see a beatdown, a comfortable win, something that we haven't had in a long time, <laughs> at a time that we needed it against an opponent we needed to do it against. And yes. um, and then Honduras, of course, uh, comes back and, and draw gets a draw with Costa Rica gets you know earns another point in the hex, uh, so they bounce back. But uh, which you know hopefully that's a good sign for the U.S. Hopefully that's a right. sign that that more good things are to come. Deuce's uh, third goal, by the way, ridiculous free kick. Oh God, yeah, yeah, that was <laughs> from a, a right footer. You don't expect to come that close from that side of the of the field. Uh, sneaking it inside the post like that. But, man, did he drill that ball, and that was a, a fantastic goal. We'll see what happens in the Panama game. Um, so, to that end, let's wrap this up so we can go watch that. Uh, let, before we get out of here, key matchups for Saturday, Orlando City at Columbus Crew SC. Key matchups and scoreline prediction, Dave. 
All right. Uh, key matchups. Um, once again, we go back to our back line, specifically Spectre um, uh, taking on uh, the other Kamara. Um, what is it about Columbus and Kamaras? I, you know, I really thought after the other one left that I wouldn't have to worry about it, but it, it, it's a thing with them. So anyway, uh, if, if Spectre has given me a good indication that he's up to the task. So I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about that. Um, and then the other thing would be, uh, of course up top. I think that, uh, I'm liking the pairing with Rivas and Laren up top. I think it's going to result in some uh, some goals. Who's going to get what? I mean, you know, right off the bat, I think Laren's probably going to get at least one. Whether or not if it's Rivas still just feeding and, and, you know, providing rather than getting one himself, that I'm still shaking on. But um, those... Those two matchups there, you know, up, up at the top and, and way down back, I, I, I keep going that. I know that there's going to be stuff in the midfield, but uh, I, I'm still on either side uh, of the pitch for that. As far as my prediction, I'm going to, I think as I've done each time, if I'm remembering correctly, I'm going to say that it's going to be a 1-1 draw. <laughs> and the reason I'm saying that is a couple reasons uh so first being first game away from home all right so the first game that we don't have uh the the orlando city stadium uh the orlando city fans there to uh, bolster the team going into a hostile environment um against a team who has a lot of confidence right now after two two wins okay granted one of them was against dc but the other one was against portland so you know they're they're feeling pretty good right now uh the other reason is well, every time I've predicted a one-one, we've uh, we've won the game. So I'm going to stick with what works. <laughs> I, the reason I laughed is because that's exactly what I was kind of had in mind. Because uh, not just because it's a road game for Orlando City; it's their first one, and and um, you know the team hasn't done real well in in Columbus uh, over the years. But for me, the bigger issue is that Columbus has played four matches. And, and they're in a rhythm. They're in that we play every week kind of rhythm, whereas mm-hmm. Orlando City has been play, have a week off, play, have a week off. Um, and I think that's got to affect you at some point. So I, I think that the obvious place for it to affect you is, is, is in the passing game in the final third. And so that's mm-hmm. why I think maybe Orlando City only gets one goal uh, in this road contest. I, I like to believe that the defense has improved and that it will continue to get better as it plays more together, uh, more minutes with those back four together. And I, again, we don't know if Will Johnson's going to play right back again. I suspect he starts at right back. Um, but, you know, Scott Suter has been around for, you know, over a week now. He's been, you know, training with the team. He's in game shape. So, you know, maybe he gets his first MLS start or maybe he comes off the bench and gets an MLS appearance later in the game. I'm sure that, you know, if, if Jason Christ has his, his preference and he doesn't start him, he would like to get a couple goal lead and bring him on, <laughs> give him some minutes. But, um, you know, again, I don't, I don't see uh, Ola Kamara has killed Orlando city. So I expect he'll get a goal somehow. Um, you know, he'll get away from Spectre or get away from aha or whoever's marking him at some point and, and make the right run. And, um, you know, Columbus has the guys that can get the ball into him between Finley and Iguain and Miram. 
And, um, you know, for Orlando City, it's easy to say Kyle because he keeps scoring. And he's done, I think, pretty well against Columbus in the past. But I think we're going to see Carlos Rivas get his first goal of the season. I like it. Yeah. So that's my prediction. Don't wager your house on it. It's going to be wrong. <laughs> We've been wrong <laughs> a lot. I'd rather be but, wrong and like the outcome, I guess, than, than well, to... That's... That's what we've been doing. Yeah. So as long as we keep being wrong and we keep winning, <laughs> yeah. we'll keep predicting yeah. ties, everybody. It's fine. Yeah. Well, at some point, this team's going to draw. It's just a matter of when. <laughs> it's, hey. It's a law of averages. It's going to happen. A uh, broken clock is right twice a day. Okay, right. fine. But, I, you know, I have a good three-year history of being wrong. So I'm, 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 I own it. I'm proud. I'm there. You know? um, but, you know, it's... I don't know. I don't know if I trust Columbus yet. Is Columbus back? I don't know. They, again, like uh, Patrick Murphy said, they've got some key injuries. I don't know if they're all the way back to where they were two years ago when they played Portland in the in the MLS Cup final. Uh, it looks like Portland's back uh, from the start they had, but it's so hard to tell from just a few games. You know what is going to happen overall. Um, you know, are the Houston Dynamo going to be up amongst the uh, the Western Conference leaders at the end of the year? Uh, don't know. And <laughs> and how much of that? How much of that Portland win was being at home and everybody being hyped up because it was Portland? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a good it's it's a good question. Now, my prediction before the season started, my prediction was that Portland would return to the playoffs, but Columbus would not. And now I'm starting to think maybe Columbus will uh, as well as Portland. So, but again, it's it's small sample size, early in the year, hard to say what's going to happen. Uh, you know, Orlando City was 2-0 and 2 after four games last year, and look where they ended up. So, I think what Michael is saying, everybody, <laughs> is is don't ask us now. Talk to us in about 10 weeks. Yeah, we'll we'll get a better feel as we go. I, I'm I think it's really hard to predict results early in the season. I think it's a lot easier to predict them later on in the year. So it'd be interesting, actually, if I could go back and get all my predictions and see like what the correlation is, like if, if I get more accurate as the season goes on, or if I'm just as wrong all the time. Uh, I know there were, there were losing streaks when I was like, yeah, no, this is the week. This is the week they're due. They're going to get a win. And, and again, they lost. So uh, I, I really, I really <laughs> want to see that data. I really, really want to see that data. <sighs> well, we'll see if I'm ever, if I'm ever inspired to do it, you know, I'll, I'll collect that data, but Anyway, right. there, there you have it. We've, we've, we're both saying 1-1, one, one, uh, so don't so, – so bet everything you have on any other scoreline. Um, <laughs> and you'll probably be okay. Um, that's going to just about do it. Uh, thanks again to Pat Murphy of Massive Report for being on the show. Pat is a good, you know, good guy to follow on Twitter, um, underscore Pat underscore Murphy uh, on Twitter. And, of course, you can read his stuff at Massive Report. Uh, very – uh, knowledgeable guy, and uh, really uh, glad that he, we could have him on, and he made some time for us tonight as we all prepare for the U.S. men's national team match. Um, we'll be back next week to dis- dissect the game. Uh, I will be uh, covering Orlando City B's home opener against Louisville City, so I'll have a good seat for that one. And uh, the pride with two friendlies between now and next week uh, at UF uh, today, if you're listening to this, the day it drops, and uh, over the weekend uh, they'll be playing at their training facility against Florida State, and I think we'll have uh, William Crawford on hand to cover that match. So, uh, you know, 
tuned to the mainland, mainland.com, for all your Orlando City, Orlando Pride needs. And uh, with that, I will just tell you, please uh, follow us on Twitter, and uh, we are at The Mainland. Uh, you can like us on Facebook, and please uh, go to iTunes and leave us a really nice uh, glowing review if you like what you hear, um, and, and give us a good rating. We would appreciate that. So uh, on behalf of Dave Rowe, I am Michael Citro of The Mainland, signing off, as I always do, by saying, Go City!